We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 452 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Tuesday, November 29th, 2022. Have you purchased your big hat yet? Uh, I tell you, this big hat thing has become quite the thing. In case you're unfamiliar, Commander's running back Brian Robinson Jr. on Sunday afternoon after His great performance in the 1913 win over the Atlanta Falcons at FedEx Field was wearing a big commander's hat, as in a massive commander's hat on his head. Uh, The hat is from a company called Noggin Boss. Great name for a hat company, by the way, Noggin Boss. And the big hat thing now has become a big thing. You see, this is the kind of silliness, this is the kind of fun that you can have when your team has won six of seven games. We have the buying of Jordan sneakers by quarterback Taylor Heineke. And now we have the big hat of Brian Robinson Jr. Hello and welcome to this Tuesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. You know, head coach Ron Rivera at his day after the game press conference on Monday afternoon said that he himself wants a big hat. Uh, Ron also talked about the rise of his team. And so next segment, I'm going to get into what is maybe the biggest question with this surge of the commanders. Is the surge a sign that the Ron Rivera rebuild is working. Is what we're seeing right now affirmation of the rebuild, confirmation that what Ron in his coach-centric approach, what the Don of the commanders, Don Ron, is doing is working. Because, of course, during the four-game losing streak, the feeling was anything but that what Ron was doing is working. Well, is it time to acknowledge that what Ron is doing is working. You know, one of the great feelings in life is when you are right and so many others are wrong. You gotta think that Ron is feeling some, I told you so, right now. You gotta think that Ron these days is pointing and laughing at his critics. (laughs) 
Yes, haha, and I do not mean haha, Clinton Dix. Uh, also on the show, I have more from the win over the Falcons, including some pro football focus data and some playing time data. And among the things that I'm going to discuss is the commander's offensive line. You can't say that the offensive line has been fixed, but you can say that the line has been stabilized, at least somewhat. Uh, I will talk Wizards. Uh, very nice win for the Wiz on Monday night. They snapped a three-game losing streak with a 142-127 win over the Minnesota Timberwolves at Capital One Arena. The Wizards were excellent offensively. Great games for Chris Damps, Porzingis, and Kyle Kuzma. I'll hit on Virginia Tech basketball. You know, the Hokies are doing well. Uh, they improved to 7-1 overall with a 67-57 win over Minnesota at Castle Coliseum in Blacksburg, Virginia on Monday night. And I, late in the show, will react to Nationals news that is both exciting and infuriating uh, and to Hugh Freeze, in fact, leaving his job as Liberty head football coach to become Auburn's head coach in the least surprising development in the history of non-surprising developments. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. I have received a good bit of feedback on the memorial installation, aka the wire mannequin of legendary Redskin safety Sean Taylor that the commanders unveiled at FedEx Field on Sunday. Email from Stanley Evans, right? Stanley, it gets tiring talking about Dan Snyder and Jason Wright all of the time, but they just can't help themselves. Honestly, at this point, they should just let Sean Taylor rest in peace. Every time the team tries to honor Sean's memory, it ends up worse than before. A wire mannequin was the best that you could do. LOL, the team really said to itself, oh yeah, everybody will love this. Can Dan just please sell the team already? Uh, thank you for the email, Stanley. Email from Andy Acuna writes, Andy, did you use one of the leftover mannequins from the uniform reveal to honor one of the most beloved Redskins of all time? Did you hire the guy who did the Ronaldo statue for this effort? I am just curious, Jason Wright, if you think this is an appropriate tribute to Sean Taylor's legacy. Did you actually think this would make up for the porta potty debacle? Did you think that a hollowed out wire frame <laughs> would perfectly capture Sean's likeness and convey his larger than life and menacing presence on the football field? I bet that you didn't even know about Sean's famous taped up face mask or his striped socks. Those might have brought a bit of Sean Taylor's uniqueness and attitude to this lifeless, soulless disaster. How many missteps regarding our franchise are you allowed to make before we can officially say that you have a callous disregard for fostering and promoting our proud history? The sad thing is these are simple mistakes that even a 12-year-old fan of the team can quickly point out. I am sure that you're one heck of a nice guy and have good intentions, but my friend, it's time to sit the next one out and let someone who knows what he or she is doing take the lead. Do you know what one of the best things that a leader can do? Admit that he or she doesn't have all of the answers and let others contribute their specialized expertise. On that note, there are plenty of middle schools in the area full of 12-year-old fans who can lend a hand next time. I bet that even they know how to spell the players' names correctly. Uh, thank you for the email, Andy. 
Jason Wright, since becoming team president in August 2020, has done a very smart thing. He has reached out to and developed relationships with a number of people in the media and a number of prominent fans of the team on social media. Uh, you know, the people who made up the hashtag Fire Bruce Allen crowd. And Jason, in reaching out to these people and developing these relationships, has made it so that he avoids criticism from a lot of these people. You know, you'll notice that Jason doesn't take nearly the heat that you might think that he should. Uh, as I have said with Jason Wright, he does seem to be a nice person. And I can only imagine what he has had to deal with behind the scenes in working for this team. But the missteps that have taken place since he was hired by the team are impossible to ignore. The sloppiness and the incompetence have been glaring and I don't think that all of that is on him, but I do know that all of this has happened under his watch, under his purview. And I also know that if Bruce Allen still was the team president, he would get eviscerated for things like the Sean Taylor number 21 retirement debacle of October 2021 and the low energy underwhelming reveal of the name commanders this past February and then Crestgate this past February and then the mess that was commandlegacy.com this past July. I mean, imagine if Brucifer still was the team president, okay? God help us, but imagine if old Brucey still was the team president, and all of these things happened under his watch, what would people be saying? You know, people would be destroying Bruce, and justifiably so. If Sean Taylor's family is good with the memorial installation, then I'm good with it. But I don't know how anyone could look at that thing and be impressed. You know, Forbes this past August valued the commanders at $5.6 billion. A five. $0.6 billion operation, and that wire mannequin is what you came up with? I mean, that wire mannequin that looks like it got stolen from a footlocker was the best that you could do? And this was your take two off the embarrassment that was the retirement of Sean Taylor's number 21 now two Octobers ago? Uh, this is why, to me, it is time to let Sean Taylor rest in peace. Enough with the attempts to honor him, okay? Let the man R.I.P. Uh, one more on the Sean Taylor Memorial installation. Email from Jim D. writes, Jim, in regards to the Sean Taylor Memorial, it's whatever. Don't understand why people were so enraged. We should expect stuff like this from Dan and company at this point. But a video started circulating on Twitter of Jackie Taylor, Sean's daughter, showing her gratitude for the installation, particularly the cleats. So it is the opinion of the Taylor family that matters the most at the end of the day. Uh, yes, 100%. Uh, continues, Jim. And as for the game, <laughs> Duran Payne put his left hand up on that play. If it weren't for that, Cordero Patterson would have scored. He was open and waiting. The true spirit of Sean Taylor was at least with the team on the field. Great point, Jim. Interior defensive lineman Duran Payne, he did in fact put his left hand up on that pass deflection that led to the end zone interception by corner Kendall Fuller in the play of the game and one of the plays of the commander's season. Well, I don't know if real estate agent Kellen Hunt is putting his left hand up right now. He potentially is, but I do know that right now actually is a sneaky good time to buy a home 
in the Washington, D.C. area. Prices are coming down. Uh, Yes, mortgage rates have gone up, but that has led to an increase in housing inventory, and that increase is driving down prices. Uh, You right now can get really good homes in the Washington, D.C. area at bargain prices. And remember, you can always refinance once the mortgage rates come down, and they will come down. And so if you or someone who you know is interested in buying a home in the Washington, D.C. area, contact real estate agent Kellen Hunt. Visit closeitwithkell.com. That's closeitwithkell.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. Kellen Hunt has his finger on the pulse of developments all around the D.C. area. He is a DMV native. He lives and breathes the culture. He has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to local neighborhoods and economical development and schools and market conditions and all that makes the Washington, D.C. area unique. And Kellen Hunt closes deals. He wins. He is here for you to listen to what you want and then get you what you want. No matter your age, family situation, or financial situation, Kellen Hunt can help you. He is a real estate agent for real people, and Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Who doesn't want some extra money right now? Give it inflation. Kellen Hunt knows what buyers like you are facing, and he wants to help. So visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. See what Kellen Hunt can do for you by booking an introductory call with Kellen Hunt at CloseItWithKell.com. If you are trying to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kell. Visit CloseItWithKell.com and tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. So back in the summer, this past July, episode 359 of the podcast, to be exact, uh, I did a segment on the parallels between the 2012 Redskins and the 2022 Commanders. Uh, There were, and are, a number of striking and even eerie parallels between the most romanticized version of the team since its glory days in the 1980s and early 1990s, the 2012 Redskins, and the team of the now, the 2022 Commanders. Uh, For example, one parallel between the 2012 Redskins and the 2022 Commanders. Veteran head coach in his third season as Washington head coach in a coach-centric approach of losing seasons in his first two seasons as Washington head coach. 2012 Redskins, Mike Shanahan, 2022 Commanders, Ron Rivera. Another parallel between the 2012 Redskins and the 2022 Commanders, a veteran defensive coordinator who, A, is in his third season as Washington defensive coordinator, B, had never before worked with the Washington head coach who hired the defensive coordinator as Washington defensive coordinator, C, is a former standout NFL linebacker, and D, has a first name that starts with the letter J. I'm telling you, these parallels run deep, man. 2012 Redskins, Jim Haslett, 2022 Commanders, Jack Del Rio. Another parallel 
between the 2012 Redskins and the 2022 Commanders. A young offensive coordinator who, A, is in his third season as Washington offensive coordinator. B, is the son of someone who was an NFL head coach for years. And C, is often criticized by Washington fans. 2012 Redskins, Kyle Shanahan, 2022 Commanders, Scott Turner. And on and on, I could go and did go back in July. Well, here we are now, 12 games into the Commander's 17-game 2022 regular season, and the team is surging as that 2012 team did. The 2012 Redskins went from 3-6 and six to 10-6 and six to win the NFC East. The 2022 Commanders, off their 19-13 win over the Atlanta Falcons at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon, now have gone from 1-4 to 7-5, and five, and now are in possession of the NFC's third and final wildcard spot. The Commanders going 6-1 and one over their last seven games is the team's best record over a seven-game stretch in a regular season since that 2012 team won its final seven regular season games. There were many things that were great about the 2012 Redskins, but one of the best aspects of the team was that it felt like, finally, the rebuild under Mike Shanahan was bearing fruit, was yielding success, was working. Uh, Mike was the Skins executive vice president slash head coach. He was the head coach in a coach-centric approach, at least in theory. Uh, but the truth is that the only real success that he ended up having with the Skins was that seven-game regular season-ending winning streak of 2012. Mike's Regular season record as Skins head coach outside of that seven-game winning streak ended up being 17-40. and 40. The Skins completely fell apart in the 2013 regular season, going 3-13 and 13 for a variety of reasons that we do not need to go over right now. And I bring all of this up to ask the question, where are we exactly in the Ron Rivera rebuild? Because what is especially exciting to me as a Commanders fan right now, in addition to the team very much being in playoff contention, is that significant progress is happening. And the significant progress may, and I emphasize that word, may, be a sign that the Ron Rivera rebuild finally is blossoming. One of the trickiest things with Ron since he officially became Redskins head coach on New Year's Day 2020, has been assessing whether his rebuild is working. The results had been mixed at best. Uh, actual, tangible progress had been slow to come. But he also realized that this guy was in a very unique situation with this team, given all of the controversy and the scandal and the dysfunction off the field. So on the one hand, it was frustrating seeing Washington go just 14 and 19 over Ron's first two regular seasons as a team's head coach when so many other head coaches in the NFL do well in years one and two. Uh, although, yes, you know, Washington did win what was a terrible NFC East in the 2020 season. But on the other hand, this situation, our situation, is not like any other situation in the NFL. Heck, our situation is not like any other situation in major North American sports, okay? There's not another team 
in major North American sports that has had the amount of controversy and scandal and dysfunction that our team has had in recent years. But now here we are. You know, as the saying goes, it is darkest before dawn. The commanders during their four-game losing streak were a bad team. We then had Ron Rivera at a day after the game press conference on October 10th, giving a one-word answer of quarterback that sparked all kinds of reactions and interpretations. The team was a mess. Ron came off as all out of sorts. The rebuild under Ron was not working. The Rivera era was plummeting. But since that one-word answer a quarterback, the commanders are 6-1. It is amazing how sports can work. There are two things about the commander's success right now that, to me, are very encouraging regarding this 6-1 run being a sign of the Ron Rivera rebuild working, as opposed to the 6-1 run being just, you know, some cute little run and nothing more. Uh, One thing is that the success is happening on the backs of a number of players who are 27 or younger. Winning is good. Winning with youth is especially good. I'm going to read to you some Commanders players and their age seasons for this season. We'll start with the offense. Receiver Terry McLaurin, age 27 season. Receiver Curtis Samuel, age 26 season. Receiver Jahan Dotson, age 22 season. Receiver Diami Brown, age 23 season. Receiver Cam Sims, age 26 season. Receiver Dax Milne, age 23 season. Running back Brian Robinson Jr., age 23 season. Running back Antonio Gibson, age 24 season. Tight end John Bates, age 25 season. Tight end Armani Rogers, age 25 season. Tight end Cole Turner, age 22 season. Right tackle Samuel Cosme, age 23 season. And not all of those guys are great players, but you get the idea. A lot of youth on the commander's offense. Uh, Now, there are some key commander's offensive players who are in their 30s. Uh, Tight end Logan Thomas, age 31 season. Left tackle Charles Leno Jr., age 31 season. Right tackle Cornelius Lucas, age 31 season. Left guard Andrew Norwell, age 31 season. But still, even those guys aren't like ancient. And then with the commander's biggest strength, their defense. Interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen, age 27 season. Interior defensive lineman Duran Payne, age 25 season. Interior defensive lineman John Ridgeway, age 23 season. Edge defender Montez Sweat, age 26 season. Edge defender James Smith-Williams, age 25 season. Edge defender Casey Tuhill, age 26 season. Linebacker Cole Holcomb, age 26 season. Linebacker Jamin Davis, age 24 season. Corner Kendall Fuller, age 27 season. Yeah, Kendall still is just in his age 27 season. Corner Benjamin St. Juice, age 25 season. Safety Cameron Curl, age 23 season. Safety Derek Forrest, age 23 season. I mean, how about that, man? All 
of these key defensive players are in their age 27 seasons or younger. So many of the players are in their age 25 seasons or younger. And yes, Deron Payne and Cole Holcomb are in contract seasons. So it's not like all of these guys are under contract for years to come. I get that. But again, you get the idea. A lot of youth on the commander's very good defense. The second thing about the commander's success right now that is very encouraging regarding this 6-1 run being a sign of the Ron Rivera rebuild working, as opposed to the 6-1 run uh, just being some acute little run, is a two-pronged thing. How so many of these players were acquired and how well so many of these players have been developed. Ron, of course, is both the head of Commander's Football Operations and the team's head coach. His track records with Washington in both regards are far from flawless, okay? He has made mistakes. We all know that. But the extent to which the team has hit on day two and day three picks in NFL drafts, has hit on second and third tier free agent signings, and has hit on waiver claims is very encouraging. There is a player personnel acumen that really has started to stand out. And the extent to which Ron Rivera and his coaching staff have developed so many of these players is very encouraging. Let's just look at the defense. John Ridgway, the commanders this past September 19th, claimed Ridgway off waivers from the Dallas Cowboys, who took him in the fifth round of the 2022 NFL draft out of Arkansas. Uh, James Smith-Williams, Washington took him in the seventh round of the 2020 NFL Draft out of NC State. Casey Tuhill, Washington claimed Tuhill off waivers from the Philadelphia Eagles in October 2020. Uh, the Eagles took Tuhill in the seventh round of the 2020 NFL Draft out of Stanford. So how about that? Two key guys on the defensive line waiver claims from NFC East rivals, John Ridgway from the Cowboys, Casey Tuhill from the Eagles. Uh, Benjamin St. Juice, Washington took him in the third round of the 2021 NFL Draft out of Minnesota. Cameron Curl, the Redskins took him in the seventh round of the 2020 NFL Draft out of Arkansas. Derek Forrest, Washington took him in the fifth round of the 2021 NFL Draft out of Cincinnati. Heck, how about someone who I haven't even mentioned, corner Kristen Holmes? Are you aware of what he did in the win over the Falcons? He, in a big win, played on 96% of the commander's defensive snaps. Uh, This was because Benjamin St. Juice was inactive due to a right ankle injury. Holmes came into the game having played on a total of six defensive snaps for the commander's in the 2022 regular season. He, on Sunday afternoon, was out there a bunch, and I'm not saying that he was perfect, okay? He did commit a penalty, but still, I mean, all things considered, not bad. 96% of the commander's defensive snaps. I mean, how about that for player development? And the commanders took Kristen Holmes in the seventh round of the 2022 NFL Draft out of Oklahoma State. I mean, Ron Rivera has displayed a knack for some nice finds, In the seventh rounds of NFL drafts, 2020, Cam Curl and James Smith-Williams. 2021, Dax Milne. 2022, Christian Holmes. Not bad. Where is this 2022 commander season ultimately going? Who knows? Does whatever ends up happening for the commanders in the 2022 season guarantee anything? 
for the 2023 season? Absolutely not. And you'll notice that I haven't even addressed quarterback because that's another conversation. And there very much is an argument to be made that until the commanders have a true franchise quarterback, the rebuild isn't complete. But that doesn't mean that the rebuild can't be working. Like, there's a difference between the rebuild is complete and the rebuild is working. The commander's rebuild isn't complete. But as frustrating as things have been at times, and as slow as progress has been to come, right now, it sure feels like the Ron Rivera rebuild is working. Up next, some notes from the commander's win over the Falcons. Guess who the highest-graded commander's player for pro football focus for the game was? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, one of the things that I said on Monday's show, episode 451, in talking about the Commander's 1913 win over the Atlanta Falcons at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon, was that I could not wait to see the yardage after contact and broken tackle stats for running back Brian Robinson Jr. for this game because he was outstanding in those regards. Uh, Robinson on Sunday afternoon had 18 carries for 105 yards and had two receptions for 20 yards and a touchdown on three targets in playing on 48% of the commander's offensive snaps. He was a physical force. Uh, Brian Robinson Jr. for the game was the highest graded commander's player for Pro Football Focus in terms of players who played on more than five offensive or defensive snaps as he registered an overall grade of 82.0. Uh, PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100. And yes, the yardage after contact and broken tackles stats for Robinson are in. Robinson in the game for Pro Football Focus generated 52 yards after contact and forced four missed tackles. Uh, Those are excellent numbers. A lot has been made of the commander's commitment to the run 
during this stretch of six wins in seven games. And absolutely, the team's rushing offense has been a key factor in the winning. Although, as I have pointed out, what allows the commanders and any NFL team to pile up rushing attempts and rushing yards more than anything is playing with leads. And the commanders, during this stretch of six wins in seven games, have been playing with leads, thanks in no small part to the defense. But there's something else that needs to be highlighted, and that is the commander's offensive line. The commander's offensive line earlier this season was a disheveled mess. Uh, The line was ravaged by injury. The line was not blocking well, but the offensive line rather quietly has stabilized in recent weeks. Uh, Now, certainly, the line is being made to look better by the team having a starting quarterback in Taylor Heineke, who's more mobile than Carson Wentz is and who gets rid of balls quicker than Carson does. Uh, Taylor is doing a really good job of avoiding sacks. He has not taken a single sack in each of the last two games. But that said, the line is playing better. Uh, Left guard Andrew Norwell, who was horrible early in the season, has been better. Uh, Although he, in the win over the Falcons on the opening drive of the second half, did commit a penalty, uh, a second and five, 10-yard holding penalty. But right guard Trey Turner, who was so bad early in the season that he got benched in favor of Zadik Charles, has been better. Uh, Trey on Sunday afternoon did get hurt in the second quarter, but he came back into the game. He for the game, played on 60% of the commander's offensive snaps. Sadiq, uh, he came into the game in place of Trey and played on 40% of the commander's offensive snaps. I mean, look, you still can't say that the commander's offensive line is the strength that the line was the last two seasons, especially last season, but the line has at least stabilized somewhat. How about the situation at right tackle? The Commanders on Sunday afternoon for a third consecutive game rotated Cornelius Lucas and Samuel Cosme at right tackle. This is very unique what the Commanders are doing at right tackle, purposely rotating two players. I mean, how often do you see something like this in the NFL at an offensive tackle spot? Uh, Lucas on Sunday afternoon started, but played on just 42% of the commander's offensive snaps, although he, for the game, was the highest-graded commander's offensive lineman for Pro Football Focus, uh, registered an overall grade of 78.5. I tell you, all Cornelius Lucas has done over his now three seasons with Washington is play well when called upon at left tackle or right tackle. Uh, Cosme, on Sunday afternoon, as a reserve, played on 58% of the commander's offensive snaps. And like I said, this game was game number three of the Cornelius Lucas-Samuel Cosme rotation at right tackle. Uh, we in the win at the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football at Week 10 had Lucas starting and playing on 51% of the commander's offensive snaps and Cosme as a reserve playing on 49% of the commander's offensive snaps. We in the win at the Houston Texans in week 11 had Lucas starting and playing on 56% of the commander's offensive snaps and Cosme as a reserve playing on 44% of the commander's offensive snaps. And by the way, Lucas for that game was the second highest graded commander's offensive player for Pro Football Focus, registered an overall grade of 80.9. You know, Cornelius Lucas through week 11 was number one among all qualified offensive tackles in the NFL in ESPN's run block win rate 
for the 2022 regular season at 84%. Uh, we got on Tuesday, we'll find out where he ranks through week 12. But again, all this guy has done over his now three seasons with Washington is play well when called upon at left tackle or right tackle. Uh, also in the win over the Falcons were interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne continuing to play on a sky-high number of snaps. Uh, John played on 89% of the commander's defensive snaps. He had a quarterback hit and a run stuff. Uh, Duran played on 88% of the commander's defensive snaps. He had two tackles for loss and a pass defense. Always remember with these two guys, it's not just that they're having excellent seasons. It's also that these two guys are having excellent seasons while playing a lot of snaps by the standards of snaps for interior defensive linemen. For comparison's sake, John Allen in the 2021 regular season played in all 17 of Washington's games. He played on 69.74% of the team's defensive snaps. Well, John in this 2022 regular season has played in all 12 of the commander's games, but he has played on 83.09% of the team's defensive snaps from 69.74% to 83.09%. Deron Payne, he in the 2021 regular season played in all 17 of Washington's games and he played on 75.61% of the team's defensive snaps. Duran in this 2022 regular season has played in all 12 of the commander's games, but he has played on 85.66% of the team's defensive snaps from 75.61% to 85.66%. John Allen and Deron Payne this season are playing a ton, but they're also playing very well. And speaking of playing well, the Wizards, uh, they on Monday night played well. Uh, they snapped a three-game losing streak, improved to 11-10 and 10 with a 142-127 win over the Minnesota Timberwolves at Capital One Arena. Uh, the Wizards in this game never trailed. Uh, the Wizards led by as many as 28 points. Uh, the Wizards led by at least 10 points. For the entire fourth quarter, uh, this game ended up being a no-doubter. Uh, now, the Timberwolves' best player, Carl Anthony Towns, a.k.a. Cat, uh, he played for just 21 minutes, 58 seconds. He suffered a non-contact injury to his right calf, so uh, his absence certainly aided the Wizards. But, you know, the Wizards did remain without some key guys. Uh, the Wizards remained without Rui Hachimura due to right ankle soreness and remained without DeLon Wright due to his grade two right hamstring strain. Uh, the Wizards on Monday night were outstanding offensively. I mean, this to me was their best offensive game of the season so far. The Wizards on Monday night scored 142 points, including 77 points in the first half. Uh, the Wizards went 15 of 31 on threes. The Wizards went 31 of 44 in the paint and scored 62 points in the paint. The Wizards finished with 31 assists versus seven turnovers. I mean, really high level offense on display 
from the Wizards on Monday night. Uh, the Wizards' defense was mixed, although even that was more good than bad. The Wizards held the Timberwolves to just 7-27 on threes. Uh, also, the Wizards generated 18 turnovers, finished with 12 steals. Uh, the Wizards did allow the Timberwolves to go 31-45 in the paint and to score 62 points in the paint. Uh, and the Wizards allowed the Timberwolves to attempt 42 free throws. So defending without fouling uh, wasn't exactly something that the Wizards did on Monday night. The Timberwolves went 36-42 on free throws. But still, this overall was a really good performance by the Wizards. Uh, the big three led the way. Chris Stamps Porzingis on Monday night. Monster game. He had just 30 minutes, 55 seconds as a starter. Scored 41 points. His most points ever in an NBA regular season game. He went 6-10 on threes, 6-8 on twos, and 11-11 on free throws. Also had three blocks, two steals, three assists versus one turnover, and four rebounds, including two offensive boards. You know, Porzingis had been struggling. He, over his previous five games, had gone a combined 6-28 of 28 on threes. Well, yeah, Monday night went 6-10 of 10 on threes. Here was Wizards head coach Wes Unsell Jr. during his post-game press conference on Monday night on Chris Stamps Porzingis. We need to see um, hopefully more of it. Um, you know, I think he, he was feeling the slump a little bit, you know, not shooting the ball well. Uh, still doing a lot of good things for us. So to see him have a night like tonight was uh, was good. Good for him. You know, find a rhythm early. And I think, um, you know, anytime he's making shots early in the game, it really helps loosen things up for us. Yeah, the Wizards on Monday night began the game on a 21-6 run. Uh, Chris Dams Porzingis in the first quarter went 4-5 on threes. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, he on Monday night returned from a one-game absence caused by lower back pain, and he was really good. 30 minutes, 55 seconds as a starter. He went 4-7 on threes, 5-9 on twos, and 1-2 on free throws. He finished with 23 points, 9 assists, versus no turnovers and eight rebounds. He nearly had a triple-double. And Bradley Beal on Monday night, 34 minutes, eight seconds as a starter. One of four on threes, but also eight of 10 on twos, three of three on free throws. He finished with 22 points, five assists, versus three turnovers and two steals. Uh, this game on Monday night was the Wizards' third game in four nights. The Wizards have been playing a lot lately. The Wizards have been playing some good teams lately. Uh, this game on Monday night was the Wizards' second game of a back-to-back. -back. The Wizards were coming off a 130-121 loss at the NBA-leading Boston Celtics on Sunday evening in a game that wasn't nearly as close as the final score indicated. The Wizards never led after the first quarter. The Wizards in the third quarter trailed by 26 points, and all of this happened despite the Celtics being without their best player, Jason Tatum, due to a sprained left ankle. So a nice bounce back performance by the Wizards on Monday night. Some more from Wes Unsell Jr. during his postgame press conference. Well, there was a sense of urgency. You know, you, you lose three games. Um, you know, they're coming off back-to-back -back losses as well. So both teams playing on the second night of a back-to-back, -back, it, it's a matter of will. You know, who's going to get their defense into the game a little bit? Um, who's going to establish their presence, have a mindset that, um, you know, establish that and, and, and impose that will on, on your opponent? I thought early in the game we did that and we were able to carry it through. Yes, you were. Next up for the Wizards at the Brooklyn Nets, Wednesday night at 7.30.
Well, we have the Big Ten ACC Challenge going on in college basketball, but enjoy the Big Ten ACC Challenge while we still have it, because it turns out that this is the last year of the Big Ten ACC Challenge. We on Monday morning had the ACC and the SEC announcing the formations of the ACC SEC Challenges for men's and women's basketball beginning with the 2023-2024 season. You know, the Big Ten ACC Challenge has been going on for decades. Uh, Started in 1999, and now 2022 is the last year. Uh, Monday night, Virginia Tech did its part in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. The Hokies improved to 7-1 overall with a 67-57 win over Minnesota at Castle Coliseum in Blacksburg, Virginia. Tech led by at least nine points for the entire second half, held Minnesota to just 6-23 on threes and just 16-37 on twos. And while the Hokies shooting wasn't great, 5-14 on threes, 23-43 on twos, Tech outscored Minnesota in the paint 40-30 40-30 and out-rebounded Minnesota 42-27. Uh, Sean Padula, 35 minutes as a starter. He went 1-3 on threes, 7-10 on twos, finished with 17 points and 4 rebounds. Justin Mutz in just 24 minutes as a starter, 7-13 from the field, all twos. He had 16 points, 9 rebounds, including 3 offensive boards, 3 blocks and 2 steals, although he did commit 5 turnovers and did go just to 2-4 of four on free throws. And Grant Basile, a graduate student transfer from Wright State, he in 29 minutes as a starter went 1-3 on threes, 2-4 on twos, and 2-2 two two on free throws. He finished with 9 points, 8 rebounds, 4 blocks, and 3 assists versus three turnovers. The Hokies have looked good so far. Uh, They are, among others, receiving votes for the Associated Press Top 25 poll that came out on Monday, and Tech is the number 36 team in Division I for the latest rankings on KenPalm.com. Next up for Virginia Tech, though, a big game uh, this Sunday afternoon, home to number 18, North Carolina, Sunday afternoon at 3. All right, two more items before we call it a show. Uh, Nationals insider Jesse Doherty of the Washington Post on Monday morning reported news that is both exciting and infuriating. (laughs) If you're a Nats fan, Uh, the Nats have created 18 new front office positions and the team is hiring for those positions this offseason. A good chunk of the positions, quote, are aimed at better processing and analyzing data, end quote. And quote, among the 18 positions is a biomechanics expert focused on pitching on the major league staff. End quote. Uh, In other words, the Nats are doing what they should have done years ago. And that is they are beefing up their analytics and sports science staffing. The suspicion that I and others have had for a while is that the Nats have been woefully lacking in this area. The immediate success that pitcher Austin Voth had with the analytics-heavy Orioles off having been claimed by them off waivers from the Nats this past June only further added to this suspicion. And now the suspicion basically has been confirmed. So good job, Nats, in addressing this deficiency. But yeah, this should have never been a problem to begin with. And the Nats now have some serious catching up to do. You know, in Major League Baseball in 2022, if you're not all in on analytics and sports science, then you're getting lapped 
by those teams that are all in. And not so coincidentally, the Nats just had a 2022 regular season for which they had the worst record and worst run differential in the majors. Uh, Also, Hugh Freeze, uh, he is Liberty's head football coach, no more, uh, as I thought would happen, as I'm sure many of you thought would happen. Uh, He has, in fact, bolted to become Auburn's head coach. Uh, I think like the entire planet probably saw this coming. Uh, Auburn made the announcement on Monday evening. So Hugh was Liberty's head coach from 2019 up until now. He, as Liberty head coach, did quite well. Uh, Overall record of 34-15, and including 3-0 in bowl games. He took actually a former Auburn quarterback, Malik Willis, and developed him into one of the nation's top quarterbacks for the 2021 season. Liberty on October 28th actually announced a contract extension for Hugh Freeze through the 2030 season. Uh, Yeah, so much for that. Uh, And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday show, episode 453, will feature a special guest, Talking Commanders, former Redskins tight end, Logan Paulson. Uh, He does a lot of great broadcasting work for the Commanders for their website and YouTube channel. He's the co-host of the Take Command podcast, and he right now, to me, is the number one former player for the team in terms of X's and O's breakdowns of the team. Uh, Logan is outstanding, and he'll be with me on Wednesday's show. Also on Wednesday's show, I'll talk Capitals. Uh, They are at the Vancouver Canucks Tuesday night at 10. And on Wednesday's show, we'll talk college basketball. Number 22, Maryland, is at Louisville Tuesday night at 7 in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. And number 3, Virginia, is at Michigan Tuesday night at 9.30 in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Uh, New rankings for the Terrapins and the Cavaliers in the Associated Press Top 25 poll that came out on Monday. The Terps went from 23 to 22. The Cavs went from 5 to 3. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. (laughs) everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in if you are a woman over 35 magnesium will help you rediscover balance energy and vitality magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body including those involved in hormonal balance from functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.